1: no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The dream is made
0: real. Ricky Hatt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger than I Right, fans to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast, the life and times of. And on today's episode, we've got former WBC light heavyweight champion of the world, Bad Chad Dawson. He's going to be talking about his career starting out at middleweight, going up to super middleweight, becoming WBC's champion at light heavyweight, fights with the likes of Adonis Stevenson, Andre Ward, Bernard Hopkins, Jean Pascal, some fantastic bouts in the ring from fantastic nights for him and some lows as well which we'll be talking about during the course of the episode so this is it the next episode of the life and times of with bad chad dawson so chad it's an absolute pleasure to get you on former wbc light heavyweight champion of the world thank you so much for coming on our life and times of series
1: yeah thank you for having me um i was looking forward to this you know uh... I know that, you know, I've, I've been around I've been
0: been on the boxing scene, you know, and I'm ready to know that everybody know what's going on with me. So the concepts of our life and times of really is to get more of a feel for, for you as a person, understand what's actually happened yeah. in your life throughout boxing. So I think really what I'd want to find out from you is, is taking it right back to the beginning and where it all started for you, you know, when you was a kid, what was it that got you into the sport of boxing?
1: Well, uh, actually, my, my father was a uh, fighter. My father was a professional fighter. And, uh, you know, basically, I was, I was born into it. You know, uh, I mean, my father would tell me stories about, you know, when I was old enough, you know, to put gloves on when I was, like, two or three years old. You know, I would walk around with the gloves on and, and if they took the gloves away from me, I would cry and cry until I got the gloves back. So I guess you could say I was pretty much born into it. You know, it was, like, all I—that's all I've known since I was a little kid. You know, I always knew I wanted to be a professional fighter. You know, from the time I was six years old. You know, I told everybody that I was going to be a fighter. You know, and you know, i, I got the opportunity to, 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 you know, to grow up through, a, through the sport of boxing through my father and through my brothers. So you know, it was a—it was a—I had a good life. You know, uh, coming up you know, in the boxing game.
0: Can you remember the first time you went into a boxing gym?
1: Yeah, I was about. Uh, the first time I actually went to a boxing gym I was about eight about eight years old
0: what was the feeling like going in for the first time
1: oh it was for me you know I, I was excited you know uh, my father brought me and my two older brothers down to the gym you know we uh, got to sit down and, and watch I was like you know, really really done you know watch guys sparring and things like that so you know we, we finally got to try it you know and I was had two older brothers at the time who were fighting you know and uh I mean, it was it was a great experience, you know. Like I couldn't wait to get to the gym, you know. I I, I got to the gym, you know, and I and I I, to, I started to work, you know. I got better and better and better. By the time I was twelve years old, you know, had my first amateur fight, you know. And from there, you know, I just went full speed ahead. You know, I had about uh close to a hundred amateur fights. You know, close to a hundred hundred amateur
0: fights. Uh, I had a record of I think my record was. I was about eighty-five and eleven I think, amateur. So, pretty successful amateur career. Yeah, you know, uh, could have did more,
1: you know, but you know, uh, it was enough to get me to the point where you know I turned pro and uh and I had a lot of success.
0: So, going back to when you was fighting in the amateurs and like what life was like back then, what was it like growing up in in, in Hartsville, South Carolina? What was what was life like back then?
1: Oh, I really don't remember much about growing up in Hartford, South Carolina. I moved—I moved to Connecticut when I was seven, so I—I—I uh, I, I, I really don't. Remember. I remember, you know, I remember, you know, my grandparents and things like that, you know. Because my whole family's from um, South Carolina, so um, when I was seven, my family we moved up to uh, Connecticut, you know, and I really was raised here in Connecticut. Um, I mean, life back home in South Carolina—I remember little little glimpses of it, you know. Growing up with my grandmother, I live with my grandmother. You know, it was life. Was, life was pretty hard in the South. You know, so my family moved up to Connecticut. You know, for a better life.
0: What was it like in Connecticut growing up? As you grow for your teenage years and you was in the gym and boxing, was there any temptations outside of the ring that could have took you down a completely different oh, path yeah. to where you went? Definitely. I
1: mean, it's, it's always temptation, especially when you grew up in a uh, inner city like me. You know, I grew up in the inner city. You know, uh, a lot of uh, A lot of gang violence, got a lot of uh, you know, a lot of different temptations, you know. But you know, um, as a teenager, you know, it's hard to you know. Sometimes those temptations will begin, come very hard to turn away from. But you know, um, I kept my my head on the uh, on the right path, and I kept my eyes on the prize. And the prize for me was, you know, turning pro and becoming a world champion. You know, it's always people who doubt what you can do. You know, when people see you walking around, you know, in the city. And they say, you know, this kid, he thinks he's going to be world champion. He's not, you know, but, you know, I never let anybody tear me me the wrong way. You know, I always kept my feet on the ground, kept my head up high. You know, I was able to, uh, you know, stay away from all the negative things. And, you know, sometimes you get caught up in in things, like as a teenager, you know, it's hard, you know. Uh, Had friends that were doing other things, you know. I was able to resist those things, you know. So, I mean, all in all, I was happy that, you know, made, as far as I made it, you know, and, you know, it's like really was a struggle for me to to, to do what I did, you know.
0: Yeah, you said you had eighty-five wins, uh, eleven losses. Amateur record, good amateur pedigree. And you turned professional back in two thousand and one. What was that like when you first got into the ring for the very first time as a professional fighter and transitioning from that amateur style of fencing to to, to the professional side of the sport?
1: Yeah, it's funny that because uh, I always people, you know, my my amateur friend, he always told me, you know, I had a had a professional style since I was an amateur. You know, um, you know, I was never like. You know, in the amateur people think you got to go out there and work hard. you got to throw a lot of punches. And you know, I was always a smart fighter. I was always the type of guy, you know, I sit back and, you know, I analyze God. Most of the time I would take the first round off to throw the guy out. You know, second, third round, that's when I turn it up and I figure the guy out and I'll get the win. You know, um, everything, everything like in amateurs. you know, you bred to turn pro, but I always had that amateur style and people always told me that. So when I turned, my transition from amateur to pro was pretty much easy for me because I always had that style, the professional style.
0: So when you turn professional, uh, a lot of people in, in this day and age will remember you as being the light heavyweight champion, but I think a lot of people forget that you actually started your career as a middleweight.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was a big middleweight, too. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I was, a big, I was a real big middleweight. Uh, my first, I think my first 17 fights were at middleweight. You know, uh, I was rated... Before I moved up to uh, light heavyweight, I was I was rated by the day in the top ten, but unfortunately I couldn't make the weight anymore. So you know I, I think I fought one fight at 168, and then after that I went straight to uh, light heavyweight. You know uh, making 160 became hard, but then I was still growing. So when I, I had one fight at 168, and at that time I think I was 21, 22 years old.
0: And know uh, I was still growing. You know. Eventually, I had to uh, make the decision to move up to heavyweight, and it worked out for the best. So, going back to when you was fighting the middleweight and super middleweight, which was obviously earlier on in your career, how difficult must it have been for a guy with your size and your frame to, to to have made the weight? I bet there was times where you must have been literally starving yourself to make the weight. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I would say for my last my last two fights that. At middleweight, you know, it was it, it got real tough. My last fight at home at middleweight, I barely made the weight. You know, I, I made the weight by like the, the hair on my on my neck. So I mean, it was it was tough, you know. But you know, uh, the middleweight being being in the middleweight division, you know, I, I learned a lot. You know, I learned a lot about myself, and I mean, but when it was time for me to move up, you know, uh, my body felt out great. You know, I felt I fell right into the light heavyweight. You know, and I was I was in actually I was in I was in Wales fighting on the Jeff the undercard. We made the decision to move up to uh to light heavyweight because I was struggling to make 168. I was still growing, and uh we made the decision the day before the day before the fight. We made the decision to move up to uh to light heavyweight, so we had to find another opponent, and we found another opponent who was at light heavyweight. You know, and I I won that fight, and then after that, you know, we figured that was the, the best decision for me was to go to light heavyweight.
0: Well, that was interesting that you mentioned about the Jeff Lacey card because that was obviously the 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 only time you ever fought over here in the UK on Joe Kazak getting Jeff Lacey's undercard, which was uh, obviously, like you say, after that, the moving up side of things came pretty much immediately. So when you did move up, it wasn't long, was it, before you really started to get a taste of success? I think you had one fight, didn't you, at light like, heavyweight, and then you were straight in with Thomas Adamek.
1: Yeah, yeah, I
0: had one fight. No, I had... The fight, the fight
1: in Wales was my first fight at light heavyweight. After that, I fought Eric Harden at light heavyweight. Then my third fight at light heavyweight, I was fighting for world title against Thomas Adamek.
0: So go back to the Thomas Adamek fight, and that was obviously the first piece of world success, world honors. And Adamek at the time was 31 and 0. He was undefeated. He was uh, this 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 great Polish fighter who everybody was was touting to to go in there uh, and, and do a number on you. Thinking back to what it was yeah. like at the time. What were your What were your thoughts and feelings going into that fight? Did you get any nerves at all going going into it no. in the build up to it?
1: No, no. You know what? Because I was I was young. I was so young. You know, like I I tell my son all the time: you got to have confidence in yourself. You got to believe in yourself. Like if, you can't go into a fight a fight with doubts. And that fight, I had no doubts. I knew that. You know, I had I had to watch Adamax. I saw his fights, and I knew I had the style to beat him. I knew that, I knew, like, everybody, nobody thought I was win that. Nobody thought I was in over my head. They were pushing me too fast. But I knew, I knew that I could beat him. I knew I could outbox him. I knew I, could I, knew was, faster. I, knew I was, you know, if not stronger, just as strong as he was. And I knew I
0: had the skill to offset what he was going to
1: do. Anyway, and that's what I did. That was the whole game plan.
0: So you got the victory, a unanimous decision, become the world champion for the very first time in your career. What was that feeling like?
1: Oh, um, it, it was great. It was the best for us in the world, you know. To to, to accomplish something that, you know, you, you worked your whole life for. Something that, you know, I, I I always wanted to be a world champion from the time I I remember being in the class. You know, when I was when I was eight years old, nine years old. You know, when the teacher asked you, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? What are your what are your, what are your inspiration? What are your inspiration? What do you want to do with your life? And I always, you know, would, would right. I want to be a professional fighter. And they look at me like, oh, like, what? like a professional, that's what you want to be. And, 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 yeah. That's what I want to be. I want to be, I want to be a world champion. I'm going to be a professional fighter. I want to be a world champion. Everybody thought that was crazy. <laughs> you know, uh, 10, 15 years later, you know, I, I was a world champion. So like, you know, there's nothing that, 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 that you can do. I mean, you can do anything you want to you put your mind to. And that's what I did. I put my mind to it. You know, I started boxing when I was, you know, probably six years old. My father started working with me and my brothers, you know, when I was uh, eight or nine, we went to the gym, you know, I I started working with my imaging trainer, Uh, you know, so like I said, like everything, everything was playing, you know, it was God's plan for me.
0: So, you defended that title twice before you moved and went on to fight Glenn Johnson, picking up a unanimous decision over Glenn. Uh, Glenn, obviously, was a very experienced fighter at this point. I think he'd had pushing 60 fights uh, at this point that you fought him. Now, he was obviously, he always fluctuated sort of between super middleweight and light heavyweight uh, throughout a lot of his career. What was it like sharing the ring with him? Because I know you shared the ring with him twice.
1: Yeah. Oh, the first fight, you know. I tell everybody this to the day that Glenn Johnson was the uh he was that he was that opponent that that took my uh my skill level, my heart and my determination to another level. You know, had I never had that fight against Glenn Johnson in the first fight, I don't think my career would have would have panned out the way it did because in that fight I had to had to dig down deep and I had to uh I had to fight I had to fight my butt off for that fight. He he pulled the best out of me.
0: So do you think fighting Glenn Johnson brought your like you just I think you just said it there your skill level up another up another notch from where it was after beating Adamic. Yeah. you went in with Johnson and then your skill level just goes up even more before you you go in further.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, to this day, I tell everybody. You know, people ask for the tough like even even my five losses I've got. I still tell everybody that the Glenn Johnson fight was uh, my toughest fight as far as me having to dig down deep. You know. I mean, when you you got somebody like Gunn Johnson, a guy who just keeps pushing forward, you know, physically strong, you know, uh, determined, and you know, just a gritty fighter, you know, a low down gritty fighter. You know, and, and that 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 fight, he brought the best out of me. You know, I think the world got to see he take down deep, and and you know, he hurt me. I think like two or three times in that fight. You know, and I came back because you know something something about uh, a fighting. You know, like when I won my when I won the world title against. I my adamant, you know, that took my confidence to another level. You know, I went into the Glenn Johnson fight with the confidence and, and the determination, and then that, like, you when know, the way the fight panned out was, you know, I knew I knew I wanted him to score cards because the whole plan for the fight was for me to go out there and and, and get the first six or seven rounds and put him in a bag. That way, he'll be playing catch up for the whole fight, so he he had to catch up. But unfortunately, you know, the, the last six, seven rounds, last six, five or six rounds, you know, I, I think I won three of those. He might have got one, three rounds. But you know, it's just all about you know determination heart, and heart, and I showed that that fight.
0: And then you had to vacate the WBC title before you went in back to back with Antonio Tarver. What actually happened with that? Was it a, a decision you you had to make? Was you being forced to, to to fight a mandatory? What actually happened with that?
1: What happened with that was uh, I wanted I wanted the Tarver fight so bad, you know, I wanted that name on my resume. So obviously, I mean, of course, it was like it was no branding, You know, I just give up the WBC title to fight for the IBS and the IBO, which he held at that time, at that time. So it was no branding. You know, I gave up one one world title to pick up, two. So, I mean, and I really wanted Antonio Tarver's name on my resume. So we went went after the Tarver fight and uh, won those world titles. Then went into the rematch with Tarver, and I beat him again. You know, um, and I knew that, you know, Tarver had the name. He had just, I mean, a couple years later, coming off the uh, the win against Boyd Young Jr. He was in the movie. He was in the Rocky movie. Yeah. So you know he had he had a big name at the time. So you know that I wanted that name on my resume.
0: So when you beat Antonio Tava, at the time, Joe Kazagi had moved up to light heavyweight and he'd fought Roy Jones in what evidently was his last fight of his career. But at the time, there was a lot of rumors circulating that you two would actually meet at some point.
1: Yeah, and that, that's the fight we were looking for. We wanted that fight, uh, but unfortunately, you know, I take my hat off to Joe Kaz, Joe Karzaghi because you know. Uh, he did the right thing, you know, he, he, it was nothing else for him to prove. He had, he was just coming up with a win over uh, Roy Jones Jr., a win over Bernard Hopkins. So, I mean, I mean, I, I I think it was a good move for him to retire at that time. But what I had loved, I would love, had loved to to share, have shared the ring with him, you know, and got to fight with him. I know it would have been a tough fight, but like I said, at that time of my career, it was all about putting names on my resume. He had, he had one of the names that I wanted to put on my resume. But unfortunately, he, uh, Children's
0: playing. he did, and then you had the rematch, like you say, with Glenn Johnson. We fought Glenn Johnson again, defended your titles, beaten yeah. by a unanimous decision. And then we move on to the fight with Jean Pascal, who had obviously moved up a weight from super middleweight, he'd fought Carl Frotch the previous year. Um, yeah. and then he moved up to light heavyweight and you guys were contesting the IBO and WBC light heavyweight titles. What, in your words, in your experience, and your recollection, what actually happened in that fight?
1: In that fight? You know, I was just talk, we were talking about that fight the other day with my, uh, my trainer. We were talking about that fight. You know, I just had a slow start. You know, I started slow. I didn't start out as fast as I should have started, you know, being that I was the uh, the guy coming in from from another country, you know, I was pretty much the enemy territory. I started, I had a slow start. Uh, he got off to a great start. You know, he got the first, I think he might have, he might have got the first four or five rounds in the bag off the rip, you know, but, but when I finally got going, you know, I knew that, I knew that. I was stronger than he was. I was faster than he was. And eventually I would have stopped him. But unfortunately, the headbutt happened. And uh, the ref chose to stop the fight. And I didn't, you know, I wish the ref didn't stop the fight. Because I don't think the cut was that bad enough where he had to stop the fight. But he did, you know. But you learn from your mistakes. And I I definitely learned a lot in that fight. More so about going into enemy territory and what you have to do when you're going into enemy territory.
0: And then we move on to more... Infamous names on your record. Uh, Mr. Bernard Hopkins, two fights with Bernard Hopkins, which were interesting to say the least. Uh, first one, obviously, was an old contest, uh, which it was a, yeah. It was a strange one, weren't it? What What, what happened there?
1: You know, it, it's funny because it, it's funny, you know, uh, People say I, I committed a fire with no fire, you know. Going into the, uh, the first fight, we, you know we we had already studied him for pretty for pretty much most of his career. I watched him and uh we knew that he 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 had a lot of uh savvy savvy tricks and moves you know with the headbutting. you know he liked to jump on fire's back and push him down you know and hold on to and push the neck down and things like that so we we prepared for it you know and sure enough you know he jumped on he jumped on my back at one time in the in the fight. And I just gave him a little shoulder shrug, you know, you know, and he, you know, put on his, active, his big act and he jumped on it and said he dislocated his shoulder and things like that, which, you know, everybody knew that there was no dislocation of his shoulder. He wasn't hurt. You know, he found a way out of the fight, you know, uh, but we we got the fight again, you know, and I got the victory. That's all That's all I really have to say about that, you know, but, you know, I, I respected Bernard at the time before that, I respected him. After that, not so much because of the, the the way that you know he handled that the whole situation. You know, he he wasn't looking for the re He tried to talk his way out of the re, out of the rematch. You know, but unfortunately the DBC mandated that he, he had to fight me again. So we fought again, and I got the victory. You know, I don't I don't have really have much to say about this, the the whole thing with with the, the uh, him jumping on my back and me pushing him off. You know, people say I. I it was m m a move and things like that, but it 's funny to me, but you know, like I said, I respected him early on in the career for what he 'd done. I still respect what he 'd done, but when it comes to that situation, you know I really don 't have much respect for him
0: when you talk about the fights with him going in going back to when you were talking about the fights with Johnson and how much sharing the wing the ring with Glenn had brought your skill level up. Uh, did you feel going into the fights with Hopkins and contesting in both of them bouts with Hopkins that you took something away from that that's give you another uh, sort of feather to your cap, so to speak, in terms of skills and, and, and ring craftsmanship and the way you was able to pick up things? Did you pick anything up from him and was able to use it in fights down the line? Uh.
1: Not really. Not really. You know, um, you know, you you should you should get better after every victory, right? You should get better after especially when you're with a, a legend like Bernard You would think that you would get better, but you know, um, I think that like the two fights with Bernard were more like they were like side shows, you know, uh with that with the tactics with the head buttons, you know, I left that fight with two two cuts or over, over each each side of my eyes. You know, it was never really like, you know, I think in that fight, he was more so survival mode. You know, I think he just wanted to get through the fight. He wasn't looking to win the fight, you know, and, and, and it showed. And that's what he did. You know, I think he was just there to, to to just make it out of the fight. You know, he didn't really want to stand there and fight with me. Pretty much the whole fight, you know, he just, you know, like I said, just I think he was more so in survival mode.
0: So then we move on and you took an opportunity to boil yourself back down to super middleweight to fight Andre Ward yeah. for the WBA and WBC yeah, was titles. A big mistake. Yeah, which was, which was
1: mistake so what? What that was,
0: was it that? What was it that made that decision for you? Was it the fact that it was the opportunity to fight for two world titles in that way, or was it they offered you enough money to come calling? Uh,
1: I think with the fact, I think most of the time, you know, I, I I was looking at most of the money. I didn't. I didn't really. I wasn't really most of the money and I, I thought that I could make one comfortably you know um I was weighing in I, I think I went for the for the second beehive factor like one 173 or 174 so you know I actually thought that it wouldn't be that big of a deal to go down you know four or five pounds but I was wrong you know um I think uh we flew to uh, California we landed in uh California in Oakland You know, got off the plane, we got to a scale, you know, when we got to the scale, the scale was like, I think that was 178 or something like that, you know, um, you know, it was was tough for me to make the weight, you know, uh, we got down to, I think like 70 the night before the weigh-in and it was tough, you know, uh, the next day, you know, we got up in the morning, got the two-pounder, got down to 168 and then, uh, you know, the night of the fight, I really wasn't feeling good. Didn't feel good at all, but you know I was already there, and I, it wasn't like I could go to to, to uh, if you anybody and be like, oh look, man, I can't, I, I don't, I don't feel good, I'm not gonna be able to do this. You know, I, I went out there, I gave it my best. Unfortunately, you know, I was in there with a a very skilled fighter, and uh, he took advantage of of what what was in front of him, which was uh, a weak Chad Dawson. Uh, uh, I could barely, you know, I mean, I tell you this much, I I don't remember most of that fight. I can't even. I can't remember, you know, I was gone. I wasn't, even, I wasn't even there. But, like, I take nothing away from Andre Ward. I wish we could have did it at light heavyweight. I take nothing away from him. He's a great fighter. Still the great fighter in my book. Still one of the best in my book. And, uh, you know, I was, like I said, I wish I had the opportunity to do it at light heavyweight. But, you know, things happen. It happened. And it's over.
0: There was a lot of reports at the time of, uh, and you can shed some light on this, at the time, the 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 fight was happening. There was a lot of reports around social media and, and other outlets across the world that you'd you'd actually been knocked out in sparring by Edison Mirinda. Was that true or not?
1: No, I wasn't knocked out. That was that's totally false. I was dropped. He dropped me. It was, I was not knocked out. He dropped me and he was sparring. He dropped me. I got right back up. It, I was knocked out. You know um, those rumors are false. You know uh, if I was knocked out in sparring, you know I wouldn't. Have, Took the fight. I would yeah, I would've yeah. canceled the fight. But he dropped me inspiring. That is true. I was dropped inspiring, not knocked up.
0: So we move on then and you go back up to the light heavyweight division and fight Adonis Stevenson. Now okay. obviously Stevenson, you're fighting in Canada in his backyard and you're going in against a guy who was again, he was twenty twenty and one at the time you fought him. Before going into that fight with Stevenson, what what did you know about him as a fighter? How much did you know of him and, and did you actually see any of his fights prior to I getting know. in the ring with him? I didn't
1: know any, i didn't I didn't know about him. I didn't know much about him. I didn't know anything about him. You know, uh after the war fight, I think about maybe a month after the war fight. A month after the war fight, you know, we got the call about the fight, he wanted want to do Dawson versus Stevenson. You know, uh I told them that I wasn't I wasn't interested in fighting. I told them that I didn't want to take the fight right now because I was just coming off the loss of Andre Ward. You know, I told my uh, at the time my um, my manager that I don't want to fight. Uh, he came back a couple days later and told me, "Yo, said if I didn't take the fight, that he would take me off the network." And I had to take the fight, so I took the fight. You know, and things happened the way it happened. You know, um, coming up of a coming up with a fight with Ward. You know. I mean, I should have took more time off instead of jumping right back in with somebody like a Stevenson, Stevenson. But like I said, I didn't know much about him. You know, I knew he was a big puncher. You know, I trained. I trained I'm not going to take anything with, anything away from Stevenson, but I trained my butt off when I fight. I got in great shape. But things happened, you know. It was boxing and, and things happen, And he caught me with a, a shot that I didn't see. I mean, I, I didn't even see that punch coming at all. He caught me with a good shot. Uh, I went down. I beat the count. You know, uh, the reps stopped the fight, and, and you know, and he was the new world champion. I lost my title, and from there, you know, things happened. You know, um, I got another victory after that. You know, then another loss, and that was pretty much like the the, the downfall of, of my career at that time. You know, I'm not gonna say it was the downfall of my career because I'm I'm only 36 and i still. Got a lot more to get to, the I feel I I, if I didn't think I did, I wouldn't be getting back in the ring on uh, next week, which will be the return of my return to the ring, and uh, I'm looking forward to
0: it. Will you be going back to light heavyweight, or what, is it is it a light heavyweight bout, or is it a cruiserweight bout? Have you moved up?
1: Yeah, the, the contract is at uh, 180. I could still make light heavyweight, but you know it's not a tackle fight. It's my first fight back, so I'm not. There's no reason for me to get down to 175. So the fight will be at 180.
0: Okay, so have you still got hunger and desire and ambition then to to try and pursue potentially going in with a, a, another world level fighter, another world class fighter? Because there's quite a lot of them, and a, quite a, new, a lot of new guys on the scene now. Yeah, yeah. I've been watching. I've been watching. You know, I've been sitting back and I've been watching what's going
1: on. You know, I'm 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 like I said, I'm a fan of boxing. I love boxing. I'm not just a you know somebody who just participates in fights. You know, I watch boxing. You know, my family, we're a boxing fan. We watch all the fights. We sit down together and watch fights. And I know what's going on. I know who's who. I know who has what. You know, and, and my whole motivation right now is, you know, I want to fight for another world title. I'm going to get myself back in position to fight for another world title. And uh, all I got to do, you know, is, is go back to, to what I used to. And that's, you know, stay in the gym. You know, right now my, my head's in a good place. You know, um, the last five years I've been through a lot. You know, um, as far as like you know, my family, you know, uh, not being in the ring, you know, not getting fights, you know, and, and taking fights on short notice, you know, like the fight against uh, far, uh, you know, I took that fight on, I think like five weeks five week notice, I took that fight, you know, and I knew I could beat him, and I beat him, you know, nine to nine to ten rounds, you know, fortunately, I didn't mean, give that. In that great shape that you know, I could have finished the fight strong, you know. Uh, but like I said, I still have the skill. My skills level still there, you know. I'm still strong. I'm still physically in good shape, you know. And I'm I'm ready to uh, prove that to everybody this year and going into 2020.
0: So let's talk a little bit about a few other things. And uh, aside from obviously your comeback, do you, you opened the gym last year? Uh, your own gym is that still going? Are you still training kids in the gym?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I still, um, still got the gym. you I know, uh, have a few trainers who are working with me who work with the kids, you because know, right now my whole my whole thing right now is me getting myself back to where I need to be. So, you know, I really don't have time to work with uh, work with kids right now. So I, I still have my gym. I've still got uh, kids that train in my gym. I have other trainers that are working with them. You know, of course they, they want to work with me, but right now I have to focus on myself and focus on, you know, my family and getting uh, – Getting back to where I need to be, so that I can provide for my family and, and you know, and, and do what I have to do.
0: Today's episode of BTR Boxing Podcast is sponsored by Bear Attack Boxing. Check them out on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check out their website www bearattackboxing.co.uk They've got another great product that's just been released the Bear Attack Boxing Master 1 Focus Pads They are the ideal pads for perfecting your boxing skills for getting your shots accurate and fast With the shock exorbitant pad your hands and wrists will be protected The hook and loop strap makes it easy to secure your hands in the pads so go and check out that new product, which is only twenty four ninety nine 99 at www.bearattackboxing.co.uk. Social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, find them, Bear Attack Boxing. So the decision to, to open a gym and invest money into opening a gym was that, but partly because you want to still be involved in boxing after boxing and giving kids somewhere yeah. to, to, to go and get them off the streets and teach them discipline and passion Definitely. knowledge on.
1: Definitely, you know.
0: Look, I, I, I tell everybody like this. Uh, I, was, I was, I'm a kid who wasn't supposed to
1: make it. You know, um, where I come from, people don't use think I'm the first world champion to come out of um, come out of my city. You know, first one, and uh, why not be able to? Uh, why why should not I, you know pass my knowledge down to to another kid so that they can have the same opportunities I have? So my whole motivation for that was you know, to teach kids, to show kids that you know. Just because people say you can't do something, you can still do it. You gotta believe in yourself. You gotta have the heart and determination to go in there and want it. You know, and that's my whole motivation. I got my son right. I got two kids right now that are boxing. My uh, oldest son, who's 16, Chad Jr., and I have uh, a 10-year-old uh, Tiger Dawson who's fighting. So, you know, um, I want to show them my whole motivation right now. You know, to show them how how. And they watch me and they see Dad get up at 6 in the morning and do his world work. They see Dad in the gym in the afternoon. They see Dad do his three workouts a day. So, you know, that's just me shaping them and molding them to become world champions.
0: So even though you've not been actively fighting for a little while, you're still in that routine and you're still in that mindset, aren't you? Yeah.
1: Yep. I mean, look,
0: like I said, I, I've been through a lot over the,
1: uh, over the course of the last five years, you know. Uh, I took... Uh, Last night I took four losses. You know, um, four losses. You know, in in the last couple of years, I haven't been in the ring. You know, not getting phone calls for fights. You know, um, you know people just, you know, I guess like people take my my, my life that damned out. But you know, I'm I'm here to show everybody that my light is still bright, and I'm still looking forward to getting back in there on on January on June 29th. I'm looking forward to getting back in there and showing everybody that you know. I'm gonna put myself back in position to fight for another world title, and uh, I'm gonna win another world title. And uh, to just to show, just to prove everybody wrong, you know, people think, people think I'm done. People think um, I'm just a shadow, a shell of myself, but I'm not. You know, you know, uh, things happen in life. Things happen in boxing, you know, and boxing is just one of those sports that you can't take lightly. I mean, um, you know, i want to show everybody that I still got the heart, the hunger, and the determination
0: is there anyone in particular in the division at the moment that you would ideally like to go in the ring with? So you've got the likes of obviously Kovalev and you've got the likes of Dimitri Bivol really sort of headlining the front of the light heavyweight division. Are they two of the names that you'd, you'd, you'd like to be trying to get yourself in there with?
1: Definitely, definitely. Those, uh, Kovalev, you know, uh, we're around the same you know, Kovalev, he lost the war you know, two times. Uh, I mean, I think any one of these guys can be beat at any time, you know. Um, me, at my best, you know, head right, mentally, physically. I believe I can give them a run for their money. I'm not saying that, you know, I I, I can go in there and just dominate these guys because I know that won't happen. But I can go out there and I can give them a run for their money, possibly win a fight. I'm not going to say possibly. I think I can beat these guys. I know I can beat these guys. You know, um, I think that the two years I've been off have been good for my body and good for my men- my mental and and physically, like I tell like everybody, I've been telling everybody for the last couple of weeks, like it's been years since I felt the way I feel right now. Like I feel good. I'm getting up in the morning. I'm doing my road work. I'm working out three times a day. You know, and and th- those are the things I stopped doing. Like after I lost the war. after the loss of weight, you know, things happen. You know, I just I just lost the hunger for it. You know, I lived down in Vegas for about three years after that, you know, and I made the decision to come back home to Connecticut. And, uh, you know, my whole motivation right now is just my family, you know, my kids, you know. um, Like I said, I got two kids that are fighting right now. And I want to show them, I want to show them, you know, the right way to do things. You know, all my mistakes I've made, You know, I I can teach them the right way and show them not not to make the same mistakes I've made. You know, um, like I said, man, my whole motivation right now is just my family.
0: You've certainly had some great teachers in the past. Uh, obviously, yeah. Floyd Mayweather Sr. being one, Eddie Mustafa Mohammed being the other. You trained a little bit of time with the great Emmanuel Stewart as well, and all them guys combined, you know, years and a sort of breadth of knowledge. What was it like having these guys? Giving you the advice, telling you, you know, how to do certain things in the gym, and get, passing you all those years of knowledge onto yourself.
1: It was great. It was great. I mean, who? Cool. I mean, I, I worked with so many good trainers. Like I think I, 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 I probably have worked with some of the best fighters and some of the best trainers in the sport throughout my career. And and the, I mean, it was great. You know, learning from Eddie. Learning from uh, Emmanuel Stewart, you know Floyd Senior. I mean, if you look at the the guys that that, that I've worked with, I mean, you pretty much say that you know I work with the best. You know, um, a little bit of those guys um, are still instilled in me. You know, like Eddie Mustafa Muhammad, who's who's a great great trainer to me, but also more like a father figure to me too. So, and still is a father figure father figure to me. Still calls me to the day. We still talk. We still chat. You know, um, Axel Morillo, my, my long-time strength and trainer, we still talk, we still chat. He always checks on me and makes sure I'm still, you know, in good good health and mentally, physically. You know, I talked to him the other day. You know, he you know he just, he's legit. People, he They're just still there for me, you know, like Eddie and, uh, and Axel. So, I love those guys. You uh, know, they always check on me.
0: Who's training you at the moment for your comeback fight?
1: Oh, uh, I made a decision to, uh, to go back to the roots. You know, I'm working with my uh, long-time amateur trainer. You know, uh, uh, he, started my, he started my pro career when I turned pro. We were together. Uh, he did my training since I was 10 until I was about 20 years old. My amateur trainer, he's, you know, when I turned pro, he was with me. I think we had about four or five fights together, the amateur. As a pro, we're 7-0. Oh, you know, I, I worked with him of my last five fights, and we're, we're still undefeated together, so it was, it was no brainer for me to go back with him—the guy who knows me best, the guy who, uh, you know, told me everything I know, the guy who got me to the point where I was ready to turn pro into uh, to become a world champion. So it was only right that I go back to him, you know, just to go back to the drawing board, you know, to rekindle the, the, the things that I used to do, you know. And uh, I think it was a, this was a great move for me to finish my career with him.
0: So, you mentioned earlier on that you and your family are a boxing family. You're not just a guy that participates in the sport. You're also a guy that really enjoys yeah. watching the sport as well. Uh, at the moment, then, who who's impressing you out there?
1: Right now, definitely
0: uh, got
1: Earl Spence, Pierce Crawford, you know, those guys. Uh, my kids love those guys, you know. And, uh, I always tell them, those are the guys you need to watch guys like Terrence Crawford, you know, skill level on a, skills on another level. You know, uh like uh Lomacheco, you know, uh guys with skill, pure skill, you know, Lomacheco. You know, you got a uh, who else is out there? You got at like everybody you got like you said, you got a lot of uh European champions right now. whose skill levels are on another level. So I mean we, we just we watch boxing, you know, and I try to just teach them and show them the guys to watch, people they should watch. Like, and I think the main, the, the best fighter right now to date to me is, is Terrence Crawford, you know, uh, skills on another level. And uh, I think that Terrence Crawford right now is the guy to watch and, be, and the best guy in the sport right now, best fighter in the sport right now.
0: And what about the current heavyweight situation? That seems to have really exploded over the past 18 years. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, man. Look, I, I told my kids you can't judge a book by its cover, man. You never go in there, you never underestimate your opponent. You know uh, what happened with Anthony Joshua. You know I was I'm a big fan, still is a big fan, still am a big fan of uh, Anthony Joshua. You know I think I still think he's the best kill heavyweight out there. You know, but uh, I think he took uh, uh, Ruiz a little too lightly, and uh, he came out with the victory. You know, and now we got a new kingpin in the uh, heavyweight division, uh, Deontay Waters out there, you know. Uh, who else is out there? Uh, you got... Uh, Tyson um,
0: Fury.
1: Just fourth the other night. You know, you got... um, I don't know, why I can't give a name right now. Just Tyson, the other night,
0: heavyweight,
1: Tyson uh, uh, Titan, Titan Fury. Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury, yeah. Skills on another level. You know, um I think the other night, that was the best performance I ever seen from him the other night, you know. Even though it was, I think, two or three rounds, but still, his skill level is on another level. So I mean, like I said, we watch boxing. I know what's going on around boxing, you know, you know. And I always like to pick up, pick up things from fighters, you know. Guys like Tyson Fury, I picked up a lot from him the other night, you know. As far as like the head movement, you know, and I, I've never seen a heavyweight move the way he moves, you know. And um, I'm very impressed with him.
0: And it was just something that you mentioned a little bit earlier about Anthony Joshua and him overlooking Ruiz. And uh, the question I've got really for you is, in, in your career, was there ever a point where you got to the pinnacle of the sport and... I'm not suggesting you ever did overlook anybody, but was there that much temptation around, like with advertising brands and people telling you what you've got to wear every day when you walk out the door and where you've got to be every hour to do different media commitments? Did you ever come across a situation like that or a period of time like that in your career? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, like, for me, for me, it was like, you know, I was, I was, I wouldn't be a fire since I can remember, so... Like I never boxed like I told my me and my friend I had a talk the other day like about a month ago we were talking, and he was asking me, you don't miss you don't miss being you don't miss being famous, you don't miss like I told him like i never I never wanted to be famous, Boxing just happened to be something that I was good at, something that I was able to feed my family off, or of, something that I was able to make some money and, and live good. you know, I never got into the sport to be famous, you know, um, yeah, there were times where you know. I got tired of going to uh flying cross country, flying to Canada to go to press conferences, flying here to do a press conference, flying there, missing time with my family, missing time with my wife's kids. You know, like my oldest son, who's 16 right now, you know, you know, half of his life, you know, I wasn't there because I was always traveling. I was always in training camp. I was always doing this. I was always doing that. So, like now, since I've been off the last, you know, two years, I got to spend time with my kids. I got to, you know, get to know my my older son a little better. You know, and and there's no better feeling in the world, than, you know, me being able to sit down and talk with my son and him. You know, and I see the difference in him. You know, from just from him when he started boxing, which he's only been boxing for about a year and a half now. You know, he's getting so good. He's picking it up so fast. You know, and 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 that's that's. That's that's why boxed. That's what I got into boxing. I didn't get into boxing to be famous, you know. Of course, I was good. I was good enough. I made some money, you know, and I did it more so for the money, and not to be famous, you know. I just wanted to live a good life and take care of my family, and and that's what I did, you know. Um, I'm ashamed of nothing I did in my career. Um, my losses, I'm not ashamed of my losses, you know. you know. You learn from your losses. You learn from your mistakes, you know. And all I could do was just guide my son, my son's the right way, make sure they
0: don't make the same mistake that I was just going to say the exact same thing then about you and your son's relationship, but being in boxing, given the experience you've had over the course uh, since your professional career started in 2001, you've been able to pick up so many different things and be in so many different situations along the way. Surely that knowledge is going to be able to give... To your son to, to give him the head start yeah. that not a lot of people get in boxing because there's a lot of people out there that don't have the benefit of having a former world champion as the dad
1: yeah yeah i mean he he hears he hears that all the time he hears it all the time i know he's pretty much he's probably pretty tired of hearing it because people tell him that all the time like they see us out in the morning we all, we get up we do our road work together we're in the gym i'm working with him. people always tell him. Yeah, yeah, you know who your dad is. And you're learning from the best. You're learning from the best, but I don't want our relationship to be based on, you know, on, on boxing, you know, because honestly, like we, me and my, he's 16 now, so it's we really didn't. Like I said, I wasn't there early on in his trip because I was always traveling early on in his life. He was, you know, we just now got like on the same page where we're, we're sitting down, we're talking, and. Honestly, boxing has brought me and him closer together because we didn't really speak that much, you know, um you know, early, like two or three years ago, we didn't really talk that much. He went to his mother for everything, you know, and I thought it was more so due to me because of the problems the things that I was going through with my career, you know, um I wasn't satisfied with the way my career ended, ended out, you know, so you know, um, like I said, I was in a I was in a dark place, you know, the last last few years, you know, I wasn't I wasn't myself. You know, I kind of like took my frustration, frustrations out on, on my family and my kids, you know, me not talking to them, me not you know, I, I hid myself away from the world. you know, I stayed home, I didn't want to go I didn't go to the basketball games, I didn't go to the baseball games because I was ashamed of what people would say about me. I didn't want people looking at me people talking to me, you know um but finally, you know, last couple of years, I started to wake up and I started to see what's more important in life, and, and that's my family, my wife, and my kids. That's, that, that's what means the most to me, you know. Um, and if, you know, I could win another world title, good. But at the end of the day, it's all about my family, me having a good relationship with my boys, me having a good relationship with my wife, me being on, on good terms with my family, and you know, and taking care of them and, and doing the right thing. So, I mean, yeah, it's a plus that he boxing. It's a good thing that he's boxing, you know. He gets some discipline from it. You no, know, but like I said, boxing but me and but close together.
0: And it's quite—it's quite a story that you've gone through. What a lot of people go through in life, which is situations yeah. where nothing doesn't always go the way they want it to go and it puts them in that position yeah. mentally uh, and, and what you're just saying there about frustrations and things like it happens every single day to different people around the world and yeah. it's good that you openly yeah. talk, it's good that you're openly talking about it and admitting it because that is, is the way for people to move forward in the career is, is to understand what yeah. they need to do to, to, to move forward and you've talked about your son and you've talked about the relationship it's built with your son through boxing now and going into the. Of the latter stage of your career, the comeback, the final, the final roll of the dice, so to speak. At this point in time, you, you, you're in a position where you don't essentially need boxing anymore. But with a name like yours, boxing probably could still yeah. use you. Yeah, I mean, I don't. But I look at it. I, I don't look at it like this. If
1: if the rest of my career doesn't go the way I plan, so what? You know, I, 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 I'm a I'm a two three I'm a three time world champion. You know, um, there's nothing else left for me to do. You know, I've, I've had my time. I was on top of the lightweight division for five years straight. I was the best guy in the division in the world. Like, I have nothing to hang my hat on. I'm I'm, I'm not ashamed. You know, three or four years ago, yeah, I was ashamed to go out because I didn't want people people. Oh, what happened to this guy? This guy. Oh man, he he blew all that money. He did this. He did that. But that doesn't define my define my career, you know. That doesn't define who I am as a person. That doesn't define who I am as a man. That doesn't that doesn't take away from what I've done throughout my career, you know. Um, not many people can say a three time world champion. Not many people can say they were the best in, in the division. I mean, I can say that, you know. Um, if I never make another another dollar boxing. I still got my family. I still got my four little boys. I still got my wife. People, those are people that never turned their back on me and never will turn their back on me. You know, and and, and that that's love to me. You know, and like I said, like you said, boxing has brought me and my son closer together. And I thank boxing for that. If boxing didn't do anything for me, it did that for me. You know, my son, he did me, He loved boxing. We hang out more. He's with me every day. We're in the gym together. So, Back back, that's what Boston did for me. That's what boxing has done
0: for me. At one point as well, Chad, you were ranked in the top 10 of the pound-for-pound best fighters in the world. Something else that you were, uh, you know, another accolade, really, to add to the list of uh, being a three-time world champion as well, and it's great to hear the mentality you've got, even though you're deciding to come back and having one more final roll of that dice, it's good that you've got that mentality, whereas, okay, I'll go back and what will be will be and yeah. there's nothing for you to be ashamed of uh, whether you go in there with a big guy like Kovalev or a Bivol or someone of that nature and yeah. maybe you come up short in that fight you know hopefully that won't happen yeah, and hopefully well, hopefully we'll get another story yeah, I mean, out of it it's like it's,
1: it's, I'm not I'm not ashamed of anything you know um, people, people people are going to tell me you know, I'm done I'm not, I'm, I'll am not. i never be the same fighter again
0: I've heard that
1: already you know uh, people tell me uh I'm a shell of myself. I mean, I'll never be that guy I used to be, and I may not ever. I may not ever get back to that to that point again. But if I give up, if I don't try again, then I not. not failed. You know. I'm, like I said, I'm 36 years old. You know, I should still be out there competing. I still should be fighting the best. And it took me time away from the sport the last few years. It took me to, that time to realize and wake up and see that. Life ain't life ain't over. You cannot, you can't hang your head on on your defeat. You can't hang your head on the things you lost in life. You know the things I lost in life it's over. It's done. I can't get it back, but I can't go out there and give it one more shot and give it one more push. And that's my whole my whole mindset right now. Just giving it one more shot. If I could get back to another world title, that's great. If I go out there in my next fight and I lose my next fight and I don't do good, it's fine. It's just. Fine, you know, I still got a beautiful family. I still got, I still got my kids. I still got my wife. I still have a nice house. I still, you know, like my life ain't over. My life is not over. I'm going to live my life through my kids. I'm going to live my life through my wife. I'm going to my wife. My life, the rest of my life, the best way I can. You know, if I never ever fight again, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that.
0: I tell you what, it's been an absolute pleasure to to have you on discussing your career from where it all began to where we are now to this final roll of the dice to the 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 mental struggles that you've had to endure as a result of the 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 latter end of your career and it's been really refreshing to hear such a positive mental attitude to boxing Uh, and there's a lot of people that don't always come out of it the right side of boxing but regardless of what happened what happens for you now in this latter end of the career You've come out of it the other side. You've got everything you want. And it's, like I say, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on.
1: Yeah. I just say this. I just say this. I'm I'm more wiser now than I was when I was 25 and 26 years old. If I was as wise as I was as I am now, then my career would have been better. But it's never too late. It's never too late to wake up. It's never too late to learn. I'm 36. I'll be 36 next month. I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to be a father. I'm still learning how to be a husband, you know, and, and you get better. You get better. The more you, the more time you put into something, the better the results. So I I've, I I've I've started spending time with my 16-year-old son. I started spending more time with him, you know, uh, caring to his needs and what he wants and, you know, trying to guide him to where he needs to be. And, that, and, th- and those are the things that I cherish in life, you know being able to sit with my son who's sixteen now. He'll be he'll be grown in the next couple of years, you know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not gonna be for long I'm not gonna be able to tell him he's gonna do what he he wants to do anyway. But I gotta get him to that point where he's ready, you know, to go in there. He wants to turn pro when he's eighteen. But I tell him all the time that's not logic. You turn pro when you're ready to turn pro. And uh life is life and things happen and I hope he can learn through me and see what I've been through and uh and take his skill level and take his, his count to another level it's further than I did and if he doesn't I tell him all the time if you don't ever become mean people are going to expect you to be mean be better than me
0: or, or just as good as me and if you're not so what you know just, just give it a shot and try that's it that's all that's all you got to do and what sort of involvement will you have uh, in his career when he decides to turn professional will you just be advising him or will you be in the corner how, how will it work no I don't I don't, I don't, right now, my my brother's, you know, now my brother who has, he's
1: a pretty pretty good tra- amateur fighter, you know, he never turned pro, but, you know, he has a good good amateur record, he's been working, he knows about boxing, so he's working with my brother right now, my brother's training him, you know, I know, I know what, I know what boxing can do to a family, to a father and son relationship, I know what it can do, so, I don't want that, so I stay out of it, I let my brother train him, I advise him, I critique things, you know, I do things like that, like, I talk to. Him. I'm more so like a mentor, you know. I don't, I don't want to get in his way and step on his toes. I don't want to overshadow him, so I let my brother train him.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't kind of argue with that because there's a, there's not very many successful father-son partnerships in boxing. No, <laughs> that's one thing. I, and that's one thing I learned about boxing.
1: You know, I, me growing up in boxing and seeing, you know, the guys who work with their father and see what it does to the relationship. I don't want our relationship to be based on, you know, uh. The, the 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 thing the bad things that he's doing the thing, you know, he's not doing this right, he's not doing that right, you gotta do this, you I I don't want him, I don't want our relationship to be based on that. I want him to go out there and have fun doing what he loves to do. Not always have to uh impress me or try to impress me because that's not what it's about.
0: So once boxing's all said and done in terms of this this final roll of the dice for you with your career have you got a plan for life after boxing? Are you gonna go into full time coaching then at that point?
1: Yeah, pretty much I I'll, I'll probably go into full time
0: coaching. Uh
1: but I'm not ready to think about that right now. Um I still got my eyes on the parts right now. I still wanna go out and fight for one more world title. Um really really what I wanna do, you know, at the last stage of my career, my whole I wanna I want to, I wanna travel, you know. I wanna I wanna come up back to world and fight. I wanna I wanna I want to go to Africa. and fight. I want to fight in different places. You know, um, I want to, I want to, I want to see the world. I want to travel and, and, and I know that boxing can get me to to the point where you know, I can travel and have fun boxing. Uh, you know, and finish my career strong. Not if I don't finish my career strong, like I said, if I go out there June 29th and don't get the victory, so what? Um, I try, and that's my whole mindset right now. I'm just giving it one more push, and I'm going to give it the best push that I can.
0: Well, I wish you nothing but the best of luck, and I hope we get to see you on the big stage one more time in your career, and hopefully we might get to see you uh, with one more moment of glory as well. Right, thank you, I
1: appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. And uh, June twenty ninth, uh, look out for me. You know, to get to win, and uh, put myself back in the position to contend another world title.
0: Well, guys, that is the end of the episode of The Life and Times Of. I really hope you've enjoyed listening to Chad Dawson there, former three-time light heavyweight champion of the world, WBC, IBF and IBO fought the likes of Bernard Hopkins, Antonio Tarver, Thomas Adamek, Adonis Stevenson, Andre Ward and you heard all about them fights in that episode. It was really good to get an insight into them uh, and into his career as well and, and what life was like for him growing up and also about his ambitions to come back and try and go for one more world title shot in the current light heavyweight scene. So it will be really interesting to see how that pans out and whether he does end up fighting one of the big guys currently on the scene. The likes of Sergey Kovalev, potentially Anthony Yard if he beats Kovalev and then we've got the likes of Dmitry Bivol, we've got our own Callum Johnson. There's plenty of great fighters on the light heavyweight scene at the moment and i am really interested to see whether Chad has got something left, some fire left in the belly to to go on and fight for a world title just that one more time. But it was also interesting to hear about what it's like for a fighter when the boxing career doesn't always pan out the way you want it to so he was talking about his last couple of fights before he went on a hiatus and the mental struggles the way it affected him and his family and you know he was quite open and honest about all that and I really enjoyed listening to him tell me the story about how that had affected him and you know there's a lot of people out there that do struggle with mental health in certain points of the life and I will take this opportunity to say if you ever need to speak to somebody, always get in contact with one of your friends. And I am offering myself up. If anybody ever wants to chat about anything and they feel like it's something that they need a bit of advice on, you can always hit me up on Twitter at IamBastow. I am B-A-S-T-O-W. I'm on Facebook at Sean Bastow, S-E-A-N, Basto. Find me on there if you really need to have a chat and talk about things. I've struggled with it myself in the past... ...and I've overcame certain situations... ...so I'm more than happy to help people out where they need it. So it was really great to talk about to Chad about his career... ...and I really enjoyed it. Not just as a podcaster... ...but as a fan first and foremost. It was an honour to talk to him. I really hope you guys have enjoyed the episode... ...and if you have please go and leave us a rating and review, in particular on Apple Podcasts. If you use Apple Podcasts, if you're a Podbean user and you listen on Podbean, why are you not subscribing yet? Get subscribing on Podbean as well. We're on all other available podcasting apps Including Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Player FM, TuneIn. You can find the podcast everywhere. If you want to follow us on social media to check out all our latest episodes and throwback episodes, it's at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and Facebook BTR Boxing Podcast. Well, that's it, fight fans. This was the life and times of bad Chad Dawson. <coughs>